You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian's beat reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well, and... Sarah, I really thought this was going to be easy. I thought we were just going to come on here and be like, oh my gosh, how was your trip to the World Series? Break down everything. Talk about it all. Talk about the fact that it only went five games and the Rangers and Boach. And we'll get there. Of course we'll get there. But what I wasn't expecting was we were going to be talking about a crazy amount of hot stove, manager hot stove, um, instead, and that's going to be taking over the top of our show here because today, the day we're recording, November 6th, Monday, um, it just seemed like every manager decided where they wanted to end up. And it was just a couple of uh, hours. And I, I think Stephen Vogt was the one who started this whole thing. Um, that was what I woke up to this morning of figuring out, okay, I'm starting to hear some rumblings and maybe I need to start preparing for this. And uh, it ended up being the case. And I guess we can start there for one, because I know you had even texted me before saying, I hope he goes to Cleveland because he seems so, like, because he's so great. It seems like a perfect fit. And he really does because my gosh, does he seem fun? And we're so used to that in Cleveland because yes, it's as polar opposite as you get from, the most experienced and elderly type manager in the game to someone who's fresh out of their playing career, has zero managerial experience. I understand the 180, but the humor seems to be there. The self-deprecation seems to be there. The way that they approach relationships and players, that all seems to be pretty familiar. And I know it's something that the Guardians have always prioritized having Tito because he was the ultimate teammate. That's what they would always say. And Stephen Vogt seems like the ultimate teammate. And it just seems like every player, everyone who's ever crossed paths with him seems so excited about him getting this opportunity. So I'm interested to meet the guy on Friday because he seems like everyone loves him. I am so excited for you that he is the next manager you got to cover. My mom texted me immediately saying the same thing. So excited for Mandy. She's going to love him. And anyone who was a Bay Area baseball fan in like the 2010s remembers the We Believe in Stephen Boat chant. And I love that the Guardian's uh, X account and Guardian Social put that in the announcement. They said, We Believe in Stephen Boat. He's one of these kind of like cult heroes, but who seems to be just beloved by everyone. I got a chance to meet him very briefly uh, last November over FaceTime. Uh, Jane McCauley and APs with us, you know, came up to me at a Warriors game. Very long story. It was like, I want you to say hi to Stephen Boat. And I'm like, okay. And he was so sweet even in those few seconds. And this year when I was at City Field seeing the Mariners uh, Mets game, 
working there, he came up to me and said hi again. He was, of course, working with the Marinos last year. But that seems to be just the kind of person he is. Really prioritizing relationships, as you said. He's also so much fun. I mean, I, I saw this clip shared earlier about half an hour ago. And I had actually remembered it from when I worked at ESPN. But <laughs> there was a game that... Um, the Tim Curtin and Eduardo Perez called Ravage Crew in in Oakland, where before the game, they got Seaman Boat to sing Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid before the game. And he does the accent like he has the Sebastian accent. And that's just who he is. He is a, appears to be a fun-loving guy, loves baseball. Those are the people we need. And I'm so glad that the Cleveland fan base, the media base everywhere, gets to transition from Tito to Superboom. That's an all-time uh, one and then the other. And then how poetic is it that the Guardians open in 2024 in Oakland? I mean, come on. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. So I think it's just sort of meant to be, and I, I think that's sign. And I'm... I even went on a local radio station here earlier today, and their first reaction was fans are super upset. And I was shocked by that because all the mentions that I had were everyone seems super excited. So maybe there's like a torn fan base out here right now of, of how to react for this. I think the biggest fear is that he's inexperienced. And I get that because you've had a manager who's been so experienced um, and you're jumping to someone who doesn't have any. But I it really does seem like it's sort of like a, a match made in heaven here of how this all adds up. So we'll see. But that was only one part of all of this. I think the the leader of all of how this was going to play out was Craig Council. And he just threw everyone off. It became, okay, the Guardians, the Mets, and the Brewers are going to figure it all out today. He'll be one of those three. Then the Guardians went off the board and it was like, all right, we'll find out later if he chooses between the Mets and the Brewers. And then all of a sudden there's a report, okay, he's not choosing the Mets or the Brewers. He's going to someone with a manager already, ends up with the Cubs. I mean, what was your reaction as you're following this saga? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I was in a meeting as all this was playing out with our baseball salon team. And I was trying not to interrupt. I was trying to stay on task. And then I saw the reports about counsel to the Cubs. And I had to interrupt for a second and just say, is every manager going to switch teams before the end of this meeting? <laughs> I mean, you know, my first thought, and obviously, like, on a personal level, I'm very sad for David Ross. I thought he did do a really good job. This team was so much more competitive this year than anyone expected. And of course, I do know him from my time at ESPN. So I always feel badly when something like that kind of plays out in a public light. But the first thing I thought of is the Cubs are reloading. I'm expecting them to be in on Otani, to be in on Blake Snell, to be in on anyone who is out there who is a big name. This is a team that saw that saw this year that they were really, really close. We know this is a team that is willing to spend money when they want to. And it feels like going out and getting the 
know, the top free agent manager, if we want to say that, yeah. is really a signal that they're open for business. It's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the offseason plays out for them. And then you go from that to the Mets, where, okay, that was a possibility for Council as well. He didn't end up going there, and it's uh, Yankees bench coach Carlos Mendoza who ends up going over uh, in his own little form of a subway series down the road to the Queens now. And um, I know I've, I've, I've talked to people within the organization um, with Cleveland knowing that Carlos Mendoza was one of their options as well. It seems like he was on a lot of teams' radars, but um, talking with people within the Cleveland organization, it seemed like they thought very highly of him as well um, in this process. Obviously, didn't end up going with him and ended up going with Vote, but it seems like he's really highly regarded around baseball as well, and I, I know you're just down the road from all of this and saw how everything played out with Buck Showalter. Do you have opinions on how this transition could go? I mean, it's interesting. You know, this is another team like Cleveland, although in a different way, that's going from someone who was so experienced to someone with no experience. But I've seen every report, every, you know, mention from the Joel Sherman and the Yankee reporters and everyone saying, that everyone thought really highly of Carlos Mendoza. So I think it's it seems to be a good hire, yeah. I think everyone is going to point to Bruce Bochy and Dusty Baker and Brian Snicker being the last three World Series winning managers and say, oh, you need to have these guys with all this experience and all of these years under their belt. And I think fans of teams hiring guys who are first-time managers will see that and be angry. But those guys had to get a start somewhere, too. Dusty Beaker managed a team that won 100-plus games in 1993, missed the playoffs because there was no Walker. Bruce Bochy was in the World Series in his early years and with the Padres. And, you know, Brian Snicker took over a team that was already functioning really well and continued to make them competitive even in his first years there and he was already on the older side. So my point is that I don't want fans who are looking at a first-time manager to think, well, we're not going to win the World Series because look at all the experience and how that has worked lately. I do think while all of those managers were incredibly impactful, it's more about the person. And these people seem to be really, really good choices. So whether it's year one, year 30, whatever it may be, they're going to make an impact. So I think that's a good thing. But I know people are going to be pulling Boach's name out and saying, well, he came back from retirement. Why are we going with the youngster? But I... I really think these guys are great choices. We talk about Buckshaw Walter for a quick second, and I, I know that he's been tied to the Angels right now in their interviewing process, and still some vacancies out there that need to be filled. It's crazy, this market for managers right now. I'm not used to this level of desperate need for searches and all around the league. Um, but I'm just curious what you think is the future for Buck Showalter. Does he find a home somewhere? I would assume he finds a home somewhere. Um, but 
I, obviously, we have no idea. So I was just curious after watching him in a year in uh, with New York, do you expect him to find a home for 2024? You know, I hope he does. Whether it's 2024 or 2025, <clears throat> this is the guy who has been to the playoffs, has one manager of the year with, what, four teams, been to the playoffs with all these different teams. And I think anyone who has been a baseball fan, just a fan of the game, loving the game, would love to see him in the World Series with some team. And so I hope that he gets that chance. I don't know about these open positions, if they make sense, whether he'll end up with one of these, but I do hope he gets that chance. And I think we've seen, I mean, Dusty Manchley was almost 74 years old. Hmm. So we have seen that there's really no age limit here. So even if it doesn't work this offseason, I hope that it will work next offseason for him. I mean, I started my whole career in baseball covering him. I mean, I was an intern and um, I was still in college at this point. But in 2017, I was an intern for MLB.com and helped uh, Britt Giroli cover the Orioles at that time. And my gosh, is he a treat? Like, I, I feel so spoiled because I've been around such great managers. Um, but he is just a character that baseball needs. And it's just, I love the personality. His wife is adorable. She makes me so happy. I remember when we were at the BBWA dinner last January, um, seeing him there and then seeing his wife. Um, she just had this little baseball purse on her shoulder and it just made me so happy. I'm like, this is just so wholesome. All of this is adorable. But anyway, I think he's a great personality for baseball. So it'll be nice if he is able to find a spot, whether it be this year, next year, anytime in the future to make sure that Buckshaw Walter's still around this game in some capacity. Um, but I think for now, that's all of the managerial news that we have, which, geez, in one day, that's enough to make someone's brain explode so that's been all i've that's been consuming my brain today so i'd like to move on to a different topic so that i can at least refresh myself we'll take a quick break right now and when we can come back we can have sarah tell us all about the world series since she was at all five games hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazons of the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data wasabi another boston-based championship team
Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and now we can get into the World Series, which right now, after all this news, feels like it was decades ago at this point. But just a few days ago, it did wrap up. We had the Texas Rangers, uh, who came out victorious, winning their first World Series title in franchise history. Um, It was all exciting for just the organization in general, but then also Bruce Bochy, who was able to come back out of retirement, win another ring. All of the feel-good stories were there. It was really entertaining to watch um but this team was just uh, one confusing as all get out for the last month or two of the season um but the team that we saw for the majority of the year was the team that we saw in the postseason because I remember even in the first few weeks uh, of the year I think I was in Minnesota I want to say Minnesota um, where there's a TV outside of the visiting clubhouse. We're waiting to get in post game, and there's just another game where they're scoring like 15 runs. And we're like, we're sitting there and we're thinking, oh my gosh, does this team know how to just chill out offensively? It just seems like they were winning by 10 runs every single night. Um, and that's just, this is the team that we saw for most of the year, despite how streaky they were at the end of the season. So, what was like the vibe like to see the first two games at in their own? stadium and then I know that they won on the road but what was just the vibe like through all of the series I mean it was really really cool to see a team win their first ever title um I was there in 17 when the Astros won their first title and (coughs) there's always something special to them I will say the crowd in game one when Rolis Garcia hit that walk-off home run, mm-hmm. I mean, even when Seager tied it, that mm-hmm. crowd was electric. And it was really, really fun to hear, you know. I was at that ballpark for the first time, getting to know it, kind of assessing the fan base, the team, everything. And they put on quite a show, even in the stands, so that was awesome. And I want to give some Rangers fans a ton of credit. I've been, I mean, so from 2014 through 2021, and we can ignore 2020, <laughs> the uh, World Series was clinched on the road every year. The Astros last year clinching at home snapped a record-long streak. So when I was lucky enough to work the 16, 17, 18 World Series at ESPN, it became very normal to just see, okay, how many rope fans are here? They clinch here on the run. The Rangers fans were so loud in game five. There were a ton of them. It's always really, really fun to see that these fans who... I'm sure made tons of sacrifices to be there to see again, which when they planned it, they didn't even know might be a potential clinch. So I want to give a huge shout out to this fan base that, you know, maybe didn't get the um, maybe didn't get the long suffering credit that they deserved in a way. I don't think that entering the air if you said which fan bases have been through a lot. The people would have said the Texas Rangers. Of course, they were so close with David Freeze, all of that happening in 2011. But because they've been the World Series twice, lost both, but was kind of contained. I'm not sure people thought of them. 
So I just want to give them so much strength for working through it, for showing up, for being loud. It was really, really cool to see. I, I can't even imagine being there in person. I just, I can't even wrap my brain around it. I mean, you were there for the beginning of the season whenever the WBC was going on, which would have been as electric, if not more electric of a crowd because she's fans go crazy for the WBC. So to have that comparison and be the sandwich, basically, uh, the little pieces of bread for your sandwich of the baseball season. It's really impressive to be able to begin and end there with such electric crowds. Um, But I'm curious also what you think of, like, what the baseball world may have learned about the Diamondbacks this year, because this was as uh, just unlikely of a, a, a contender as you could have imagined going into the postseason, going into the World Series in general. So what do you think we understand maybe a little bit more about this organization and can they build from it from here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is just the start for them. <clears throat> and we knew entering the year. I think we've talked about how most people figured they'd be competitive next year. In 2024, they managed to arrive a year early. But it's one thing to arrive early and be competitive. It's another thing to run that all the way to the World Series. Not just, oh, we made the playoffs and no one saw us coming. But, oh, we made the playoffs and we swept the Brewers. We swept the Dodgers. We beat the Phillies in seven games in Philly. And then they took a game on the road in the World World Series. I mean, I think the world got a really good look. I Corbin Carroll, I Gabrielle Moreno, I guys like Christian Walker, who have been perpetually underrated. And I think the world got a really good look at Tori Lavelle, what kind of manager he is, what kind of guy he is, and the way that he motivates his team. He always said, what a connected team is a dangerous team. And you really got the sense of that's how he managed his clubhouse. So I'm really, really excited to see what they do in the offseason and how they come out next year because they're going to be really good. I mean, Cormin Carroll was so good, as we expected, but so were so many other players. So I'm so glad to see a team like that get its chance and earn its chance on the big scene so that heading into next year, there are probably going to be a lot of casual fans who, if not for this run, wouldn't know a couple of names on the Diamondbacks, wouldn't know to see them come and take them in some, uh, you know, company picks or what have you. But because of this, they will have seen them. And that's a really, really good thing for the team and for baseball overall. It. It might be hard, and I'm going to make you do hard things here. Uh, We're going to see if Sarah can pick a moment, which cannot be the actual, like, clinching moment because that's the obvious moment that's really cool. Um, Did you have a favorite moment throughout that series of just being in person to be able to experience it or whatever it might have been? That aside from watching the celebration and seeing who the World Series MVP was and all of those things. I mean, it's probably the easy answer, but it has to be 
Jolie's Garcia home run. I mean, I've been at World Series walk-offs. I'm so lucky to be able to say that I was at Max Muncy in the 18th inning World Series walk-off home run. I was in Alex Bregman walk-off hit in 2017. I've seen these moments. But man, that stadium gets so loud whenever there's a dome, like in Houston. The sound is just so contained. <laughs> I'm not a fireworks person. Not sure if we discussed <laughs> this, but I'm jumpy, very jumpy. <laughs> and Jolie Garcia throw around, and I know the fireworks are coming because they do them after home runs, and so I'm bracing for it, but the whole thing, I mean, it is amazing to hear an entire stadium completely lose its mind in such a tense moment. So, I mean, there have only been 17 walk-off home runs in World Series history. I can't believe I was at the last two, and uh, I think that has to be it for me. I mean, it, the whole postseason that he had was so ridiculous. And um, I know it was frustrating to see him have to have an injury at the end and all of these things that maybe prevented one more grand moment for all of us to see. But my gosh, the way that he was able to step up, deliver in such a huge way all postseason long, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm picking an MVP for an entire postseason, I think without a doubt it's him because of the way that he was able to show up in clutch moments. He was never seemed rattled ever. And it just, I, I was speechless watching him and I was so excited to watch every single Rangers game, which seems weird because that's not the team most people say. It's like, oh, I can't wait to watch the Dodgers. I can't wait to watch the Yankees, Red Sox, whoever it might be. It was fun to see different types of markets get in and be so excited to watch Adolis Garcia every single night because he's going to do something and it's not the Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton. It's It was different and it was fun and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it on the couch so I can't even imagine what it would have been like in person. Um, but I mean, if there's anything left that you have on World Series that you want to make sure we touch on, we can, but I also know that you want to remind everybody that there is no off-season for baseball as much as it seems like it, because that's the first thing you said to our lovely producer, Alana, when we got on here, because for Sarah, no, there is no off-season for baseball, and it can be the same for everybody else. That's true. I want to say one more World Series thing, mm-hmm. which is that. I mentioned all the Diamondbacks, so I'm so happy for another guy who got his time in the sun, very, very deservedly so, was Tommy Pham. And I want to mention that because this is the guy who has been portrayed pretty much every way you could possibly be portrayed over the last five, however many years. And he is a good guy who has been through a lot in his life, and he... The moment they crystallized it was in game two, it was four for four. Then the ninth inning, James Peterson comes up to pinch hit for him. He would have been the first guy to go five for five in a World Series game had he gotten ahead. The most game everyone's like, oh my gosh, why did this happen? Tommy Pham gets on his Instagram and comments, please stop this narrative. 
and won my guy Jace to get his first World Series at bat. And so I asked Tori to pinch it for me. That is who Tommy Pham is. I loved how viral that went. He deserves that. He also had a really good postseason in a couple of really, really good games. He has three four-hit games in his postseason career, which is high from the most ever, <laughs> and two of those were this year. So I did just want to backtrack and make sure he got his flowers yet again. Yeah, I think that's important, and it was it was really cool, and I like that he set their record straight because, I mean, you can interpret that in any way that you want of how that played out, but I, I think I first saw it because you posted about it, um, and I saw that on social media. I thought that was fantastic. So, yes, I am glad that you brought that back up, too, because it was important for that to be out there, um, and he made sure it was out there, which was good, um, but okay, I guess we can now transition. Yes. To so, Sarah's type of off-season. Yeah, so no off-season. Uh, if you have an MLB.TV subscription, you can watch the entire season of the Lee Dome, that's Liga Dominicana, the Dominican Winter League of Baseball. And it is so much fun. So there are six teams. They all play three games a night every day except for Monday. And if you have MLB TV, you just go to MLB.tv and they show up right there. All the announcing is in Spanish. It is so much fun. There are so many current and former major leaguers. There are players who you'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot about him. Like a junior lake, for instance. Um, and it is just so much fun to watch baseball all the time. I love this league. And I'll also say if you're in the New York area and you're free at all this coming weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, two of the teams, the biggest rivalry in Lijon, Lisey and Aguilas, will be playing at City Field. Their tickets still available. So if you want to see it in person, bring a coat, bring a scarf, and come watch some baseball this weekend. But if you just need something to put on at any given time, there's so many fun things in this league. Um, on on Saturday night, L.A. Dela Cruz threw out a first pitch for uh, Lise, which was the team he has played for in the past. Nelson Cruz did a whole goodbye to him. Playing in each ballpark one last time, he said that was important for him in his retirement to do a goodbye in his home country and with this team. So there are just so many great things, and I love it. So highly recommend. I mean, it's an easy way to continue to watch baseball whenever everyone's in this Time period, the avid baseball fan missing baseball already. We're not even a week out, but there's baseball to watch. And uh, I know Sarah's crazy, and I know that there's a whole bunch of people who are just as crazy. Not at, Maybe not as crazy, but close to being as crazy as Sarah to constantly want to see every single possible game that is out there. 
So I think it's awesome that MLB allows you to do that with their subscription. I think it's great that you can just tune into all of these things. So I, I know I will definitely be at least watching some. I know it will not be to the extent of Sarah Lang's because nobody can get to that level. Um, but I'm glad that you did bring that up and I'm glad that they were able to highlight that that's continuing on before you know it, then it'll transition right into spring training. And it'll, I, I can't believe that it's already the first week in November and we're done with baseball, but it'll be like what, four weeks. And then all of a sudden it's winter meetings and then all of a sudden you blink and then it was spring training is back again. So, um, I think that's a, a good transition into, taking a quick break, but then coming back and talking about our favorite moments that happened, whether it was in the World Series, whether it's been since the World Series, all over the last week um, of baseball, you'll be surprised how much has gone on. Uh, It seems like maybe there hasn't been that much, but I think you'll be surprised when we're able to talk about all of our favorite moments in the last few days, so stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Sarah Langs, and our wonderful producer, Alana Schreiber, who will kick us off in our favorite moments from baseball over the last few days. So Alana, I know you seemed excited about yours, so go ahead and tell us. Yeah, so this was one of those moments where the second I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, done. I have my favorite moment. (laughs) Um, Mandy and Sarah are going to love this. So It's from the World Series, so I read this amazing article about this University of Arizona softball player named Jasmine Perez-Chica, who traveled 100 miles home to Chase Field to watch her dad make his World Series debut as a third base coach. And it was the sweetest article. She was so excited. She plays softball. She's a standout center fielder and talked about how Her dad's always been her baseball and softball inspiration and how excited she was to see him on this epic stage as a base coach. And it was so sweet. And it just got me thinking about how much the World Series means to so many different people who are involved. It's not just the players and the players' kids. It can also be the base coach kids. Um, And just there's so many people who this is such a meaningful moment. And this is like their first World Series. And I I just love that connection. And I'm so happy she was able to go see her dad do his thing. I love that. And that's such a good point. Yeah. It isn't just the players' kids who are adorable and young often, but it's also the coaches' kids who are often a bit older, but able to team and appreciate the moment even more. I mean, these base coach kids, uh, it's like a term now. Wow. Um, uh, but the, the, the children of coaches and all of that, like they're so involved and you don't really realize it as much. And I think I realized a little bit more whenever Kid Cudi came to visit and, uh, Cleveland this year 
and you have like Carl Willis who's in his 60s and he's lining up for a photo with him and we're all like what are what are these guys doing like Mike Sarbaugh was lining up um we're like why these guys don't know him like we're all giving them a hard time they're like no our kids are saying we have to get a picture with this guy like the kids know who the guest (laughs) is coming that day and they're like dad please get a picture with kid cuddy so that i can see this and um so that's the moment where i realize i'm like oh like these guys are just as involved as anyone else and you just don't think about it as much so i'm glad you highlighted that all right sarah do you have yours i do so mine is a manager's grandkid. So first Bochy was on the parade route with his grandkids in the truck. And when he went to give his speech, he said his granddaughter turned to him at the end of the parade route and said something along the lines of, Papa, I would do that again. And then he goes, so she said it, let's do it again. Something like that. In his speech, it was adorable. And it's very cool to think about again, just knowing him, knowing his path and his family, and spending time with his family, family in his years where he wasn't managing and now getting to share this World Series with those grandchildren. I just love that. But I thought that was adorable. I would do this again. Like, how <laughs> cute is that? She had no idea. She was just like, yeah, that was good. Let's do this again. She's now setting the mantra going forward, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. But I think all of the Boach content that I've seen over the last week has been so wholesome. Like even him just sitting on the plane with the World Series yeah. trophy right beside him, just everything comes across as like he's he's sort of like your grandpa. And it's just like it, it's so hard to not look at him and think that because he just... And just having that with his granddaughter right there. It's just like he's everyone's grandpa right now because it just feels so wholesome with all of this stuff. Um, So that's adorable. I think that's fantastic. I'm going to be the outlier here and go away from the World Series for mine. And mine was from actually earlier today, Monday, uh, where I saw that Ichiro, I don't know if you saw this, he was out with his school in Japan and he was trying to show like teach some students some like drills and like giving some advice and doing all these things and he's just steps into the box and starts taking bp and he hits a home run and he crashes through the window of a math class while he's out there it's at this school so it of course goes uh i think uh i think we had it on mlb.com yeah 426 foot blast And let me just remind everyone, he's 50. (laughs) This man is 50 years old and he's still able to do something like that, which I saw him get his uh, little Hall of Fame stuff in Seattle earlier this year. Jeez, that was this year. I saw him do that earlier this year and he doesn't look like he's older. He doesn't look like he is out. I mean, he looks like he could go play right now and be a leadoff hitter on any of the 30 teams that are still here. Um, So I think he's totally, it fits the description, but just imagine that like you're sitting in math class, you have a ball come crashing through the window because Ichiro Suzuki is outside taking BP. It was so funny. We ended up doing a story on MLB.com about it. 
Um, and Matt Monaghan was the one who wrote it. And he said, I think he wrote in here, he took about 63 swings, twice clearing the 26-foot-high netting that protects the building. So there you have it. Ichiro is still as elite as it gets. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I I couldn't believe it whenever I saw it come through. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I can, but I still can't. (laughs) The logic side of your brain is like, no, a 50-year-old shouldn't still be doing this. But then the uh, side of your brain that's like, okay, this guy's fantastic, and it totally checks out. It's conflicting, but it was so funny. You saw his reaction. They had had posts of his reaction, and he's just sitting there like, "Uh oh, like, (laughs) am I going to get in trouble for that? Um, But so wholesome. And the bigger takeaway is he's still out with kids trying to teach trying to pass this on in his home country and gosh could you imagine those kids like seeing each row at their school and all of that to say baseball as sarah would say is the best i think all of it's fantastic and the fact that he's still out doing this type of stuff makes my heart so warm can i add one bonus one that i thought of while you were talking yep i feel like this podcast us and the way we approach this would be remiss if we didn't mention Joey Botta real quick and his reaction to uh, his option not being picked up, which was expected, but just the way he reacted. He posted a three-minute video the next day online talking about his time in Cincinnati, how much the city has meant to him. He posted on Instagram like three different posts including one that was exclusively red staffers, not teammates, but staffers, all of whom he had at some point gotten photos with. That just tells you who he is. And he is so unique as a baseball player. I think in the way he sees himself in the world, the way he treats his celebrity, the way he treats all of it. So, Obviously, I selfishly, as a baseball fan, hope this isn't the end of the road for him. But regardless, the way he handled this, the outpouring of gratitude that he had, the understanding of where the team is and the fact that he unfortunately does not fit there, that's just all worth mentioning as well. It is, and I think it's time for me to make sure that Sarah doesn't have any more bonuses because I think from this last week on the World Series celebrations, I feel like you could have so many more because the experience there from watching it from afar and from the things that you would text me seemed like it was amazing, and I'm so glad that you were there. And uh, I'm so glad that all the news broke today before we talked so that we could actually talk about all of this and we were able to get through it. So I'm excited to go through week by week um, leading up to the winter meetings to just talk about everything that's going to be going on. And so for at least this week, that'll call it a wrap. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. 
Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.